Welcome to the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nedling. You are about to discover impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you, so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Be sure you visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com. While you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now tune in, get ready, and enjoy the journey of emerging as a leader of exception in the 21st century. Welcome everyone to the Find Your Leadership Confidence podcast. I'm your host, Vicki Nethling, coming to you from Roswell, Georgia. The goal of this podcast is to bring topics and guests that will empower you to take your business or your life to the next level by becoming that confident leader. I am excited to talk to you about a a great subject (laughs) that we all need and we care about. Um, Harlan Pickett will be my guest today. And let me tell you about Harlan. Leveraging almost two decades of rich experience in the healthcare industry and his profound knowledge as an insurance broker, he journeyed through the shifting sands of insurance and healthcare sectors. And over the years, he learned to adapt and innovate, and most importantly, to recognize the need for affordable yet comprehensive insurance coverage that caters to the unique needs of every individual. Inspired by this realization, he championed the concept of alternative funding solutions, disrupting the traditional insurance landscape to make room for more flexible and personalized healthcare plans. They have revolutionary offerings at Eagle Care Health Solutions, and they are crafted with a single purpose, to ensure that everyone gets the healthcare they deserve without having to break the bank. As we broaden our horizons, we seek to empower the brokers with trailblazing, easy for me to say, health solutions. Mm-hmm. And so Eagle Care family brokers can transform lives by facilitating access to optimal health care nationwide, while also reaping significant professional benefits themselves. Harlan says that his role is to bring wealth of insurance and healthcare knowledge to the table, aiding brokers in their journey to success and guaranteeing that the clients receive the highest standard of healthcare services in an otherwise convoluted industry. Well, it is my pleasure to have this conversation with Harlan Pickett on, and we have aptly chose the theme for this wonderful podcast as why does healthcare suck? (laughs) (laughs) Now hold yourselves back, get your pen and pencils because you're going to want to take some notes. Please join me in welcoming Harlan Pickett. Wow. Thank you so very much, Vicki. That was, that was awesome. Uh, I'll tell you, it's, it sounds all, my whole intro sounds all crazy and convoluted too, right? I mean, it's all so many words in it. What does it mean? I guess it's almost as complex and crazy as the whole healthcare system is anyway, right? It's, it, it's so, so funny that 
you went through that whole thing and I'm listening to it, just laughing at myself because I'm like, <laughs> wow, I'm trying to make things easier. And my whole intro is just a whole bucket of craziness <laughs> and big words and everything that half the people don't even understand what the, what's going on there. So that's a, uh, that's really funny, but I, I really do appreciate you having me on the podcast. And I, I am very excited to share with your audience. Why does healthcare suck? It's, yeah. <laughs> a, it, it's a, it's one of those things where even when you have a good experience, let's just say that you really, really like your doctor. You've had this doctor for a long time. You have a great experience with them, but it seems like you still get bills. You don't expect. It seems mm -hmm. like if anything else happens outside of that, they refer you to someone else or you heaven forbid, you have to have some type of procedure. The whole process is just designed to drive us crazy. Yeah. Just, you, you just don't understand what's going on. It's so complex. And it's really been to the huge detriment of the health, not just the health care, the health of the of the United States citizens. Mm -hmm. We spend more on health care than in any other country. And it's not even close, not yeah. even close. But we have some of the worst uh, outcomes on that, and, and including the fact that of all of the wealthy nations, as they would say, we have the shortest lifespan and the worst overall health. And it, it's a complete, I hate to say it this way, but it's its completely the way the whole health, healthcare system is devised. You, you know, people like to say our healthcare system is, is broken. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to tell you right now, Vicki, it's, it's not broken. It's working exactly the way it the individuals that are in control was designed. <laughs> it is yeah. enriching some and bankrupting most others. Yeah. Um, still to this day, the number one reason why people file bankruptcy in the United States is medical, medical. debt. Yeah. And yeah. unfortunately, about 80% of those folks had health insurance. So where's the disconnect there, right? Where's the disconnect? Yeah. Why, if I had health insurance, if I was doing the financially responsible thing, and I chose to have a health insurance plan, why am I still not protected? Why am I still having so many huge bills? Well, there's a number of reasons why, but one of the big things that's happened over the last few years is the huge increase in our deductibles. So mm -hmm. when someone's got a, a huge deductible, let's just, I don't care really what it is, but let's just use a nice round number of $5,000. You have a $5,000 deductible, and most people in the United States don't even have $400 in their savings account. Mm -hmm. You're functionally uninsured. It's just like you're paid, but unprotected. You mm -hmm. don't have the protection you need. And people are so frustrated with this situation. This is a staggering number. 61% of American citizens do not go to the doctor unless they're sick. Yeah. Period. They won't go unless they're sick. Well, where's all the preventative care? Where's all that? Let's take care of myself to make sure I don't have something bad happen. They're afraid to go. They don't know what it cost. You know, to, to give you a, a quick analogy, would you go to the local department store and buy a flat screen TV without knowing how much it is? Yeah, that's right. You, no, would you, you do that? Not. Yeah, no, you wouldn't. You wouldn't. But, you, but people have doctor's visits. People have uh, surgeries. People have all... Uh, uh, x-rays and other imaging all day long, never knowing how much it's going to cost. And mm -hmm. unfortunately, never even asking how much it's going to cost in many cases. Uh, and if you do, most of the time, what do they say? 
I don't know. I can't help you. We won't know until it's done. Huh? Mm. What do you mean you won't know until it's done? You've never done this before? Yeah. Of course they've done it before. They just simply don't want to give you that information. Uh, this is why we have such egregious billing practices by so many of your hospitals. And uh, this is also why there's such a huge spread in the cost of certain uh, surgeries and certain mm. procedures that could be dramatically different from one hospital to another. And then even a diff big difference in say a surgery center versus a hospital. But the whole system is so confusing and it really keeps people from getting the services that they need. Yeah. And that is one of the biggest issues that we have. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, like for me, I only have one prescription and I'm 65. And so I'm paying all this money to Medicare and United Healthcare and WellCare. And, and um, you know, for what? <laughs> yeah. And, and then the other side of it is, is now that you're on Medicare, I'm sure that they told you if you elect not to go ahead and take it right now, then there's going to be a penalty when you decide to take it later. Yeah, yeah. Well, Which, hold on a second. <laughs> Why am I paying for it now if I'm not if I don't need it? That's uh, yeah. but you're yeah. still in a better situation than most people in corporate America are. Oh yeah, for sure. With high deductibles, and then also, even if they can afford or their employer pays a big chunk of what their insurance cost, then their families typically are unable to get coverage because of mm -hmm. how much it is. Uh, it's it's a ridiculous amount of money. The the amount yeah. it costs for health care for a family of four, and that's insurance and all kind of services they may need. The amount that that uh, for twenty twenty three is thirty one thousand and sixty five dollars. Wow. Family of four. Wow. When you think that the uh, the the medium income for uh, someone in the country is fifty nine thousand, mm -hmm. even if it's a two. Uh, to work or home making a little bit over a hundred thousand then that's still almost 30% of their income paid yeah, just right. health care. Yeah. So you talk about functionally uninsured. So, so that basically is they can't meet their deductible, but what about people? There's a, there's other insurance that they, um, that I've heard about where it's, um, kind of like a partnership or something aligned with a religion or church or something. I don't know where you, you kind of, um, everybody helps to pay the bills is yeah. what it sounds like. What is that all about? Yeah, absolutely. That's called medical cost sharing. And there are certainly some organizations that are faith-based. Uh, there are some that are Christian-based, some that are, you know, very specific, like there's a, there's one just for Catholics, uh, but we also at Eagle Care, we offer access to a medical cost sharing plan, but it's not faith-based. It's not religious. All you really have to believe in is that we're here to help our fellow man. Mm -hmm. And whenever you go down that pathway, of course, it's a lot more affordable. Uh, your out-of-pocket expenses are a whole lot less. We at Eagle Care match that up with some other benefits to make it feel more like a traditional plan mm -hmm. as far as prescription drug coverage and access to doctors. Uh, because most of your medical cost sharing plans don't offer that. They are more or less a catastrophic type option. Mm -hmm. uh, we offer that because we really believe that people are, 
they're afraid to go to the doctor in many cases because they don't know what the cost is going to be. Yeah. And so by pro providing that transparency and in many cases, providing uh, access to a doctor for zero cost, unlimited access to that doctor for zero cost, that removes that barrier. And then it's a lot more likely that, that person is going to stay uh, healthy, right? I yeah. mean, if you have, doing the preventative. Doing preventative. And, you know, so many people now have chronic illnesses mm -hmm. and that chronic can be from diabetes to thyroid issues to, to whatever it is, fill in the blank with whatever those are and not taking care of that. I mean, chronic issues can even be say high blood pressure, high cholesterol. Those, the, there's about a hundred a million people with hypertension in the country and almost half of those it's uncontrolled. And a number of those don't even know that they have it because they just will not see a doctor on a regular mm. basis. Very true. So it's, 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 it's moving, removing those barriers because that's where, you know, the, the, the funny thing is, is I, I know we, we use a catchy little name because why, why does healthcare suck? But the real issue here is not that the healthcare in this country sucks, uh, typically, if you get to see a doctor, it's going to be a very quality doctor, and a lot of times you're going to have a really good experience. What we really have is a, an access issue. So yeah. people have a hard time getting access to health care in a realistic and good way um, and in an affordable way. Mm -hmm. That's the biggest problem is it's really why does access to health care suck? Uh, right, right. And, and think about this. I don't know if you've ever had this happen to you. But imagine that you go and see your doctor, uh, y'all get a determination on what's going on. Uh, you decide you're going to have a certain treatment plan. Uh, that's going to require the doctor to get his authorization from your insurance company. They send it over and the, the insurance company says, nah, you don't need that. Yeah, Wait, what? That's happened. <laughs> yeah, but what makes the insurance company decide that they know better than you in the, the treatment yeah. plan that your doctor have done? Right. Uh, we've seen instances where treatments for cancer that were determined by the the car the uh oncologist so the oncologist says this is what you have this is you know we've got all the tests here this is the recommended treatment it goes to the insurance company and the insurance company denies it they don't like this they don't want this treatment well after review the doctor at the insurance company that determined that this was not that over that basically said no oncologist you don't know what you're talking about was a pediatrician with no background in oncology whatsoever. Um, but this is unfortunately not mm. an uncommon practice. And now, and you may have seen some of these lawsuits coming out. Now we're seeing some of these auto adjudicated by AI and they're never seeing a set of human eyes. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the other thing you talked <clears throat> A couple of times you mentioned about, you know, visiting whatever doctor. I know that one of the things when I was in corporate, I, my doctor was tied to a hospital. And so what we've seen in the last several years is hospital and insurance companies are at arms with one another. And yep. so, um, whenever I went to a different doctor, because my doctor was, you know, in this situation, that doctor, because I was out of network, even though I was five miles away from my other doctor, I was out of network, it cost me $320 for the doctor to spend five minutes with me. <laughs> uh, and did you go see that doctor again? No, I did not. 
All right. So there is another barrier to healthcare, right? Uh, mm -hmm. You, but here's what happens even when you stay in network many times. I mean, you mentioned your doctor was part of a hospital system. Well, the sad truth is about 70% of our physicians in this country now work in corporate. Uh, mm -hmm. So they're either working for an insurance company, they're working for a hospital system, or they're working through a, a private equity company. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I don't know if you've seen this, but we're having a huge push. Uh, I'm actually doing an, an audio room on, on this. Uh, we're having a huge push right now by CVS, Walmart, and Walgreens into the primary care world. Yeah, I've seen that, yeah. And so once again, these are just more organizations that are being bought up by big corporate entities uh, that are trying, and let's be honest, what are they doing? They're trying to make a buck, right? I mean, it's yeah. not... It, it's once again, it's profits over patients is what's really happening here. And I think it's very interesting that right now we're seeing a, a number of pharmacists that are walking away from their jobs that are protesting uh, at CVS and at Walgreens because of overwork and all of the different things that they have to do and dealing with insurance companies and yeah. just the whole thing, this whole gamut. Well, the interesting thing to me is whenever I talk to primary care doctors, they have almost identical complaints. Mm. And now think about that. This is the complaints they have working in these hospital systems and working for private equity. And now these same entities that are doing this to pharmacists or buying up primary care, do you think there's going to be any different? No. Uh, I mean, come on. It's the same exact thing. So it's a, it's really not while on paper, maybe it sounds good while reading the story of, oh, wow, I can go to my doctor at the local corner drugstore now. That may, in theory, seem like a good idea. The bottom line is it's still not going to give you any more than that five minutes with that doctor. Yeah. And that's the problem, because right now we have such a shortage of primary care doctors that it's taken anywhere from two weeks to four months to get into the doctor. Yeah. Uh, you know, what do you do? You sit in the waiting room for an hour, hour and a half. Then you finally get in the room and you're in the room for 15 to 20 minutes. And then when the doctor comes in, he does a flyby, just like what you <laughs> yeah. were talking about. Yeah. yeah. Comes in and, and doesn't listen to you. That's the other biggest complaint that mm -hmm. we hear is the doctor didn't even listen to me. It's almost like he, you know, they've come in and they've talked to you. You've talked to the nurse, you've talked to the intake person. And when they walk in the door, they've already made a determination of what's wrong and what they're going to do. Yeah, I had one doctor who I really loved because she talked to you and and found out and, and kind of worked with you. You felt more like a partnership mm -hmm. um, and she was let go, um, detached from the hospital because so she couldn't work for that hospital anymore. So therefore, she couldn't work for the doctor's office anymore. And um, it was very interesting. Yeah. <clears throat> You know, it's unfortunate, but primary care doctors are some of the lowest paid in the whole medical world. Mm -hmm. That's another reason why they have such a hard time getting them coming out of medical school now to, to for doctors to go that route. And we're we're losing uh, primary care doctors. They're they're stepping mm -hmm. away. They're they're leaving the the practice. So they're or they're going into practice by themselves, which I'll talk about in a minute, which is direct primary care. And that's a that's a beautiful thing. That's what's gonna save us all, as it were. Uh, <laughs> but you know, going going back to the that what we're seeing there, in when they're in this hospital system, these primary care doctors have quotas to meet on yeah. referrals. 
They have quotas to meet and they also get bonused on referring. Uh, you're in a funnel. So here's, you know, here's your funnel and it starts here at the bottom with primary care and every layer it goes up, every layer, the, the hospital system makes more money. In a perfect world for them, you get to see two to three different specialists as you move up that funnel to eventually the surgeon get you your surgery, and then they're able to make the maximum amount of money by going through that process. Uh, then they also, of course, refer you to your physical therapy or whatever aftercare that you need right there in the same health system. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a money-making thing. Uh, one of the others, and this is something that's came up recently and it's, it's a sad thing. Um, doc, Dr. Eric Bricker, who uh, is a, a big proponent of uh, what's going on out there and talks a lot about it. He does a, a daily broadcast on LinkedIn, mm -hmm. said that there, there's, there's lots of evidence out there to show that some of these treatment plans that are going up this funnel we're talking about, they're chose strictly because of their cost. Mm -hmm. And I'm not talking about their lower cost, I'm yeah. talking about their cost. They're chose because it's going to cost more. Uh, remember, that if the insurance company is paying, then the hospital doesn't care how much it costs. I mean, if you've got a $5,000 deductible, maybe they'll get it from you, maybe they won't. It doesn't matter at that point in time if they're getting a $500,000 out of the insurance company, right? Yeah, right. So it's, a, it's a very interesting dynamic. You wouldn't think that a treatment would be devised based on cost and on profitability it, mm. it should be effectiveness is what it should yeah. be but the evidence is there to show that that's simply not the case yeah. um, another frightening thing is uh, the lack of second opinions now uh, most insurance companies no longer require second opinions even on serious conditions now what that has done is caused many people to be treated for conditions that they don't have or to not receive the proper treatment for conditions that they do have. Uh, a study done by the Mayo Clinic that began in uh, 2017 showed that thousands of patients that they had come in to them for second opinions, that only 12% had the exact treatment, exact uh, right diagnosis and treatment prescribed for them. 88% wow. uh, had something that needed to be changed. And 21% were completely wrong. Completely, wow. they were they were completely off off the chart. Nope, this is not what you have. You don't even have this condition. And so, the, obviously, the treatment plan was not correct. So wow. I thought that was so amazing. scary. Yeah, it it really is. And then Cleveland Clinic did one, started one this year. From it started in March, and they've had hundreds of folks come in for second opinions, and half of them, 50%, have shown that the di initial diagnosis was not correct. Uh, one of them was so egregious that the uh, the gentleman was diagnosed with cancer and was given a uh, treatment plan that of course included, included chemotherapy and radiation for his cancer. Turns out he didn't have cancer at all. Oh. He had an arterial aneurysm. Oh my gosh. Not even close. Yeah. So, you know, the chances are is this individual would not have made it. First of all, we're fixing to poison him yeah. for something he doesn't have, and we're never treating what he does, which is a very serious situation. Wow. So 
you um you call out in my notes alternative funded health care is that the primary health care you were talking about yeah so alternative funded uh, our traditional way of accessing health care is through insurance right? Right, right and a lot of folks in this country believe that they're the same thing that you must have health insurance to get health care well mm-hmm. all a health insurance plan is is components put together, what we call the healthcare supply chain, put together to give you that access. Now, most of that, of course, is owned and operated by the insurance company. Therefore, they make profits all the way around in that circle of supply chain, including on the third-party administrator, which processes your claims, including the PBM, the prescription drug management, Mm -hmm. uh, including medical management, so the approval or disapproval for different services that you may have, the network, uh, they're the ones that uh, the insurance company, if it's you're using their network, then they're the ones who negotiate the rates. Mm-hmm. Uh, so all different pieces of that, they make profits on every bit of that. Well, the bottom line is, is we could build that ourselves. We don't need Blue Cross or United or Aetna or one of them to do it. As a business, you can do that. But who? how are you going to do it? You don't know how to do that. Yeah. There's, a, there's about 500, a little bit less, really, um, folks like myself out here across the country that are doing this. We're really building, rolling up our sleeves, finding the partners that are truly transparent, providing the, the services uh, in, a, in a compliant way, by the way. Mm-hmm. So if you're a business out there and you're worried about moving to something that is not compliant and will cause you a bunch of fines, this is not the case. We build you a health plan based on the needs of you and your employees. It's truly customized because not everyone needs one of those off-the-shelf plans, but that's all you're offered by one of the big uh, companies. So we take things like direct primary care, which is membership-based, by the way, Vicki, and there's no incentives whatsoever for that doctor that you're seeing to send you anywhere else. In fact, what they really want to do is take care of everything, including most of your chronic conditions. They're trained to do that. They have Mm -hmm. the ability to do that, and many of them have... Uh, partners that are doing uh, specialty care as well. So if they need some information, let's say from an endocrinologist, they have someone they work with that is a specialist in endocrinology that can give them some advice if they were working with something you had going on or something I had going on and they had some questions. If it gets to the point where you do need to see a specialist, then they're going to refer you to, uh, you're going to work together, first of all, kind of like what you were talking about with your Mm -hmm. doctor that you liked. Y'all kind of made some decisions yourself. Mm-hmm. Y'all are going to make those decisions yourself. Y'all are, he, the, that person's going to help you through care navigation and finding a doctor that you really like. And when you build plans this way that are based on primary care, based on care navigation, uh, then typically all the services that are received in that plan that the employer offers to the employees, all those benefits are zero. It doesn't cost the employee anything. They get to truly have access to health care. And even if it ends up going to surgery, most of the time, it's going to be a zero zero cost for those services. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is what care navigation can give you. Now, usually what happens with a company, of course, this is where the alternative funding comes in, is the all the insurance company, you're, that's all you're doing is you're throwing money at the insurance company. Those premiums go up every single mm-hmm. year. So you just throw money, more money at the insurance company. And the, those premiums just keep going up. You're feeding the beast. All you're doing is over and over and over. Well, that's the way that we have funded health care is we fund an insurance company and then we just let it go. Well, instead, we're going to take the company without having any 
more risk than they currently have now with an insurance company. We're going to take and build this plan in the design that you want to. Uh, typically, we're going to save you 20% over what you were already paying the first year. And really, it's the sky's the limit in how much you can save, depending on the type of participation that you have in your plan. I mean, we're going to be very engaging with your folks and make mm -hmm. sure that they understand what's going on and the benefits that it's going to be to them. You know, people wonder, why don't, why haven't I got a raise in five or six years? Or why, when I do get a raise, <laughs> I don't really get a raise because when I do, it's offset by how much our premiums are going That's up exactly on my insurance. Right. Yeah. right. Well, it's because our mentality is I have this card. I have this card right here that says uh, Aetna on it. And as long as I use this card, I don't have to worry about paying anything or I have to pay my copay or whatever. Well, you're killing yourself. You don't realize, but you're putting so much of these things on this plan. And many times the insurance company is approving things that cost a lot of money, uh, but, but it's just coming out of the employer's pocket. And when it's coming out of the employer's pocket, there goes your raise. Yeah. So the yeah. employer is now uh, a fiduciary. They're, they're, they're supposed to actually, uh, employers are fiduciary of their health plan. Uh, whether they like it or not, they are. Right, and right. Um, we've had some lawsuits against insurance companies by employers saying that they should have been fiduciary and that they lose every single time. The law hmm. says the employer is the fiduciary of the plan, but they keep choosing these large insurance companies to represent them. And it's always going to be the same thing. They are not hmm. your friend and hmm. they are not there to, to help you. They're there to make money for them. That's what they're there for. Oh my goodness. Well, time has flown by. And uh, so we probably have another hour that we could chat on this and definitely, <laughs> definitely want to have you back um, maybe sooner than later to continue this discussion. But if you are at all intrigued by what Harlan has to say today, please um, take note of what I'm going to be sharing now, the screen with his contact information. If you're just listening in, I will read this to you, but it is going to be available on my website, the findyourleadershipconfidence.com, as well as my YouTube channel. So, <clears throat> excuse me, his website is eaglecarehealth.com. Again, that's eaglecarehealth.com. He can be found on Facebook at a couple places, H. Pickett Insurance Broker, or Eagle Care Health. LinkedIn, he's at Harlan-Pickett. Instagram, you can get him at HP Insurance Broker or Health, um, I'm sorry, Eagle Care Health. And on Twitter, he's HPI Broker. I'm going to let Harlan talk to you about what you can find when you go to eaglecarehealth.com. Go ahead. All right. Thank you very much, Vicki. All right, so we have talked a lot about the different ways that we can help employers. Uh, we also can work with individuals. Uh, we also work with doctor's offices. If you're a direct primary care doctor out there and you are ready to be part of some of these plans and work with employers, we can help you there too. You can find out information about all of these things on our eaglecare.com site. Uh, we also offer uh, access to a number of other programs. So you can go and check that out too. And if you don't mind, Vicki, I'd also like to plug my podcast that has a release every single week. And Super. that is the Health and Wealth Power Hour. Uh, you can check that out at hwpowerhour.com. That's hwpowerhour.com. We talk about all kinds of things. Sometimes we're in the industry. 
sometimes we're not. We are <laughs> jumping around. Yeah, just uh, like you, Vicky. I like to find interesting people. Uh, yeah. People say, well, "How do you decide who's going to be on it?" I said, "I like them." Or I was yeah, on sure. about it, you know? It's a that's one of the cool things, right? You mm -hmm. get to choose who's on your show. That's that is so true. So again, that's hwpowerhour.com for that podcast. And to get those weekly doses doses of good information about insurance and healthcare and how we can maybe make this a little bit better for your you, your company, and uh, your doctor. So once again, thank you so much. This has been really interesting. I probably have 15 more questions that I could ask you. <laughs> definitely, definitely want to have you back so we can chat some more. As always, I remind everyone that life is a journey and it's up to you to enjoy the ride. This is Vicki Nethling signing off. Thank you for tuning into the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nedling, where we share impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Remember to visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com and enjoy even more great episodes like this one. Again, while you're here, subscribe to us via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast.